it's our Brooklyn Bites. This is episode 80, and I'm Stephanie. And I'm Leon. So I've been away for a week, yep. and I'm sure everyone missed me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thank you for not continuing without me. Uh, why would I do that? Uh, you have your intentions. I know. I understand. <laughs> Just fine. Yeah, sometimes it's good to take a break, take a breath. You're right. And it's almost almost the summer. As you can tell, my allergies are starting to bother me. So mm-hmm. spring is still here. But even in all that, I did on my vacation play a couple of games. Nice. So I'll talk about those. But I'm wondering if you played anything. Oh, of course I did. Yeah. I uh, dug back into the archives to revisit a series that I've played before. Was Doug the key word there? <laughs> no, oh, actually. Okay. I didn't know if that was the emphasis uh, word. N- not Doug, but Simon. Simon. <laughs> of course, I'm referring to Simon Belmont. Aha, uh-huh, because there's two Simons. Mm. We're not talking about Alvin and the Chipmunks, are we? No, I was thinking of the memory game. Oh, right, of course. Simon, but yes, that's kind of the original Simon mm-hmm. in, in video games. That's true. Although that's more like electronic games. Yeah, still pretty early on, though. Yeah. Took a while to, you know, kind of be developed and finally come to market. But True. I think I'm sure it was percolating in the in what the was minds. That? Was that like the '60s, Simon? I feel like it was '70s. '70s. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Milton Bradley. Late. Okay. Yeah. Well, at any rate, I, I did play Castlevania II: Simon's Quest. Mm. Felt it was time to go back to Castlevania and see what I might have missed at some point. Hasn't been that long since you've been in the castle. Yeah, I think uh, I played the first game back in episode 51. Oh, okay. So, yeah. been a little while. Mm-hmm. So, naturally, this was also developed by Konami. I seem to revisit a lot of Konami games they make <laughs> lately. Games. Yeah, but, uh, or at least they did, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this was developed and published by Konami, released on the NES back in December of 1988 in the U.S. It was actually first released uh, in Japan on the Famicom Disk System. It was originally a Disk System game. Released 16 months earlier in August of 87. In Japan. In Japan. Uh, and the original title was Dracula 2... Noroi no Fuin, which means Seal of the Curse. And uh, that's a bit of a hint of the plot of the game. Uh, So once again, it's up to Simon Belmont to remove the curse that was placed upon him at the end of the first game by uh, collecting the five parts of Dracula's body. Did he have a curse? I just remember the castle crumbling. Yeah, apparently Dracula placed a curse on him. Okay. Before he was vanquished. And uh, so now he's, he's out off to try to remove the cars from himself. And um, so what he has to do is he has to go around, collect the five parts of Dracula's body, return to what's left of the castle, the crumbled castle, and defeat him once more and like destroy, destroy him once and for all. Castlevania 2 was on the cover of... Issue two of Nintendo Power. Yeah. The September October issue. Yeah, I've I've actually I actually looked up that issue. Oh you did? Because it was it was critical. All the all the hints <laughs> and information in that in that issue were critical in me being able to uh, play I, I think, through a lot of this game. Yeah, I think I did too because it, it came with that big fold out poster too with the, like a sort of a map. It had the map of the land. Like the hand like photo like actual like 
photographing the TV screen and then assembling the photos, like the old mm-hmm. Nintendo Power style of <laughs> yeah. putting the photos together to make the, the game screens. Right. Well, I, or was I, it hand drawn? I think it was. It was. It was. It was illustrated. It was illustrated. Okay. Yeah, because there was no in-game map. Um, no. But no. the the interesting thing was like. Um, it gave a lot of the locations in the game names, whereas in the game itself, none of these places ah. or towns were actually had any names presented to you. Because like when you walk into a town, you're just in a town. You don't know what town it, it doesn't is. doesn't pop up on the screen like... No. Okay. It doesn't. So that was helpful, too. So you almost needed that. Uh, yeah. Maybe. that's it's, it's funny, too. That issue, pretty controversial cover for Nintendo Power, right? Yeah, uh-huh. It was, uh... It had a severed head. <laughs> it had, like, a, I guess, uh, a cosplaying guy as Simon Belmont uh-huh. holding Dracula's severed head. Yeah. And a skull. So, kind Which, of... from Nintendo, like, that's really... You haven't seen anything like that from mm-hmm. them, you know, as far as, like, on a public image. Right. Like, even their previous issue was, like, a claymation Nintendo. Mm-hmm. I mean, a Mario on the cover. And anything before that was all like Nintendo prop first party stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. But all right, you'll probably get to it. But I believe there were some things edited out in the USA version of mm. this game. If I'm not right, if... I, I'm sure there were. Okay, there must have been. I didn't know if you if something you were going to cover or not. But well, I didn't play the Japanese version, so I don't know. Oh, what's okay. Different. Yeah, I I think they took out some of the the crosses. Maybe mm. I don't know. Okay. I should have researched it, probably. <laughs> I didn't know you were playing it, but okay. Yeah, I should have clued you in. I, I know you've got some, some background in this game, too. I've only played it when it first came out, mm-hmm. initially. And it was kind of weird, because Konami, I don't remember them including any, like, maps. or Like, they usually were pretty good with, like, packing stuff in the box on their games. Yeah. And I don't remember, other than the manual, it coming with anything else, like a map or anything, or a big, like, fold-out. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if they wanted you to buy if this was an incentive to buy a nintendo power I, i'm pretty sure a lot of the assets that were published in in nintendo power came from from guides that were published in japan for yeah. the game mm-hmm. and they just translated that material uh some of the translations are not 100 percent in line with what's in the game too i think some of the some of the names are a little off and mm-hmm. you know they played fast and loose with some of the things in the game too so it doesn't quite uh, yeah, but that's part of the game too. Part of the game. Part of the game is the fact that you don't always have the right information, <laughs> right? So let me, uh, I guess, get into the first thing I noticed about the game itself is that it is different from the first one, in that it's not a linear progression through multiple levels. Instead, it's sort of a prototype for what the later games in the series would become. It's more of an open environment. You have freedom of movement. It's still presented in that same side-scrolling format, but there's towns, there's open wilderness, there's mansions to enter, uh, each of which contains part of Dracula's body to be retrieved. And finally, you know, the ruins of of Dracula's castle as well. Uh, So there are situations where you can't proceed unless you acquire a certain item, and then you have to be able to find that item, and then you can backtrack and eventually get to certain locations whereas you know that's something that became a staple of of castlevania later on Mm -hmm. became less of a pure action game and more of a somewhat of an adventure game or a little bit you know some light rpg elements at least 
was there a level up? There was. Yeah. Yeah. And so in the game, you, you have an inventory page that you can flip to by pressing the select button where things like, um, experience points and current level are represented, um, as well as in game time. So time passes in the game as you play it and it shows you what time of day it is in the game. Uh, you also get the total number of hearts that you've collected. So like the previous game, you do collect hearts from enemies. But in the first game, the hearts were simply used to power your your special weapon, right? Uh, More or less. Yeah. Uh, But here, they actually have a slightly different purpose. It's more more like currency, uh, which you can use to buy certain things as you need them. There's also they are so, they are also used by certain special items and special weapons, but it's not exclusively that. Um, so, for example, in this one, you do get holy water, or and you get the dagger. But the basic versions of those weapons, you can use unlimited uh, as you need to. You don't have to have X number of hearts or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that's different about it, um, and. You know, uh, on this status screen as well, you can also select those items and weapons to be used. Uh, it also shows you which whip, which whip you currently have, because that can also be upgraded as you progress. Uh, there are multiple whips to, to collect or buy. Was there a fire whip? Uh, there was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that's useful, as you might imagine. Yeah. Uh, so interestingly, too, the the experience that you get in the game... The, you know, to help you level up is acquired by collecting the hearts that enemies drop and not just by de- defeating them. So if you kill an enemy and it doesn't drop a heart, you don't get any experience for it. And also if you, if it drops the heart, but you don't get to it in time and it blinks away, you also lose that opportunity to, to get it. So it's, there's no shortage of opportunities to get more experience. Now, did they steal that idea from the Popeye arcade game <laughs> when olive oil is throwing the hearts at you? That's it. Looks very similar to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right. Uh, now, enemies don't always drop hearts, like I mentioned, uh-huh. and uh, nor do they always drop the same amount every time. Sometimes you get a half heart. Sometimes you get a, a, a larger, fuller heart, and then sometimes there's even like extra wide hearts, which are worth even more. Uh, some enemies will consistently drop certain sizes of hearts depends you know depends on on which ones you're you're defeating as you go <laughs> uh so like i said there's also towns and I, you start off in the town of jova as it's identified in the <laughs> nintendo power issue and to me this feels like simon just on his day off walking around town you know saying hi to his neighbors uh he's able to talk to them he's able to get tips for his adventure. But the thing is, these neighbors, they like to gossip, right? And some of the things they say aren't always true. Mm-hmm. For example, one of them says, rumor has it, the ferryman at Dead River loves garlic. And that's neither how garlic is used in the game, nor is it what the ferryman wants to, wants to be shown. Um... But as so a, that's why it's a rumor, right? Well, sure. I guess that's his Rumors disclaimer. Aren't always true, He's hedging. Right? He's, yeah. That's that's him saying, you know, like it may not be true, but this is what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, it's, it's also possible that you know maybe they're 
they just want to spread misinformation on purpose. I don't really know. There's mm. really no motivation given as to why this happens, but I'm assuming this is just how things work back then. You know, legends and rumors would spread and people believe what they want to believe. I right. Guess. Yeah. Do, do, what year is this supposed to be take place in? Does it say? Um, I don't know if it said it specifically. It's, it's right after the first game, right? Uh, pretty shortly after okay. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. So you got to figure 1700 somewhere. Okay. Something like that. All right. Yeah, well, as I'm walking around town, suddenly a message pops up, and it says, what a horrible night to have a curse, right? And that's the signal of day turning to night in the game. Uh, So this is, you know, a cycle that occurs. Uh, The game has 12 hours of daytime and 12 hours of night. Of course, it's not real time. It, you know, it's an accelerated day-night. In the game from 6 to 6... Basically, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., it's it's daytime. And then from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., you get night. So the town turns blue, and I'm unable to enter any buildings. It's one of the things you can do in the game. You can go into certain doorways and, you know, visit to see if um, there's a merchant inside or something like that. Uh, all the town folk disappear at that point, and they're replaced by roaming zombies. So the typical you know, low level Castlevania creature that, hmm. that nasty looking, uh, you know, creature with its arms raised up in the air. Those are considered zombies. Uh, but that's fine because I need to ground out some, some hearts initially to buy my first items. And eventually the message, another message pops up when, when, you know, the night ends, it says the morning sun has vanished the horrible night. And that's of course, you know, the return of daytime uh, after my first attempt, I had 142 hearts at the end of the first night. So that's not too bad. Did you ever wonder why you play through the day and night and your character never sleeps? <laughs> You're right about that. That hasn't occurred to me. But everyone else seems to sleep? Yeah. Or do they just run inside? I think they just take cover from, okay. from the creatures that overrun the town. All right. They know better than to be outside. Uh, there, there is an opportunity, I guess, to rest in the game. You can visit the chapel where you are able to regain any health you might have lost. So that's kind of a nice perk, I I suppose. There's no real other opportunities to be able to regain health or extra lives or anything like that. So that's uh, something you got to do frequently. (laughs) Uh, So in the town, I buy holy water, the, the first holy water that I get, and a white crystal. Although I don't know what any of these things are for yet. So what made you buy it? Uh, just because it was there. Oh, okay. I figured I was supposed to because I'm able to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the next town, some buildings appear empty, but I use the holy water to break, uh, you know, the wall down. So you can actually throw the holy water and it will actually break these blocks that, you know, are destructible. Certain certain blocks in, in various parts of the game are able to be broken. Uh, and I find a merchant in the next room to buy uh, the dagger. And I even uh, break the floor in another room to uh, find a hint book, which uh, says, clear a path at Berkeley Mansion with a white crystal. So that's how I find out what the crystal is being used for. Uh, I also buy the chain whip in this town, which is an upgraded whip, does more damage. Um, There's also, you know, the... Uh, the chapel. This is the this is the point where I in the second town where I encounter the chapel that I'm able to rest and and regain some health. Uh, so I exit into the Jova Woods to the right of the town, 
uh, I see typical supernatural woodland creatures such as werewolves and skeletons. And uh, also cross a long bridge where the familiar mermen (laughs) 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 jump out of the water. Uh, so the first mansion, as, as the clue was mentioned, was called Berkeley. And there are, you know, places you, you, I needed to equip that, that white crystal to be able to get anywhere at all into the mansion. Because uh, initially when you step in, there's just a wide gap and you can't do anything. But once you equip the white crystal, you'll see kind of an elevator platform appear. And how did you know that? Just trial and error? or It was the hint book that I found in the previous oh, okay. town that okay. said... You know, use the white crystal to okay. to progress. And um, there's also um, false floors in this mansion. You know, you're as you're walking along, all of a sudden you just fall through the floor. <laughs> you know, it's like an illusion. Uh, so throwing the holy water continuously can detect them, but that does get a bit tedious. Mm-hmm. Having to like just throw water every you few didn't steps. Move slow enough, right? Yeah, it was. Believe me, climbing steps in this game was really <laughs> painful. So slow. But uh, I get used to it fairly quickly. Uh, I find a merchant in the, t- in the mansion that sells an oak steak. Not a steak that you eat, but yes. a piece of wood. Flame broiled. <laughs> and uh, that is used to shatter a glowing orb type of a crystal ball that I find in the last room of the mansion, which contains the prize. And once you pick up the prize, a message says... You now process Dracula's rib. Uh, and I find out when equipped, it acts as a shield. Pro- process? Process. Okay. And it says that throughout the rest of the game. Oh, really? So they use that same... Good localization. That same text every time you uh, pick up an Excellent. item of... Why? Well, you know, every time you pick up specifically the last item in the mansion, which is a part of Dracula's body. There are other times in the game where it says possess correctly. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so on my way to the next mansion, uh, I find the Sacred Flame, which is a more powerful version of the Holy Water. But that one consumes hearts when you use it. And uh, actually, I should mention the maximum number of hearts you can hold is 256. Uh, now, you still get experience when you collect more hearts, but you don't gain more in so your you inventory. you want to spend it. You could. You could freely spend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, once you're at 256, you won't get any more. Um, so along the way, uh, there's these annoying spiders in the woods that look like alien face huggers. I don't know if you remember these things. They kind of dart around very quickly, drop down on a, on a thread. Mm-hmm. Um, they fire webs out. And, um, the next town annoyingly has no temple to heal at, which was a bit of a problem at first. I had to be kind of careful, but it does offer garlic which I figured would be good to have against vampires, right? Mm, I love garlic. <laughs> right. Olive oil, bread. Especially for your oak mm. steak. <laughs> yes. Um, I also have uh, available to me laurels, which can be bought. And also the chance to trade the white crystal that I have for a blue one. I'm assuming that's an upgrade. So I went ahead and did that. Now, one person does say, buy some garlic. It has special powers. All right. I guess assuming I'll understand what that means eventually. Um, Outside the town is a cemetery where these purple claws come out of the ground. And uh, I do end up dropping one of the garlic cloves in a particular spot. 
in that cemetery and it'll produce a contact who grants me the silver knife, which is an upgraded version of the, the dagger, which also will consume hearts if you use it. Uh, so a little backtracking leads to a cavern that exits to a lake and kneeling at the edge <laughs> with the blue crystal reveals a path below the lake to the second mansion. And the only reason I knew how to do that was it was based on a hint book, a, a hint book that I found uh, in the woods that said to replenish earth, kneel by the lake with the blue ca- uh, crystal. Uh-huh. Now, I didn't know what that meant <laughs> to replenish earth. Mm-hmm. I just figured that was something, but apparently it, it, it doesn't drain the water from the lake, but it kind of lowers the camera view. So then it, you can now see a platform that you can jump onto. So that was useful. Uh, in the second mansion, um, the interesting things that I found, um, there are, there are these skeletons in there, but now they throw these bones that leave a burning patch on the ground. And, uh, I didn't realize that was going to be a problem. <laughs> you have to wait until that patch burns out before you can, uh, walk over it. So that was kind of something new. And this mansion, the way it's structured, uh, by the way, it's called Lauber Mansion. I don't know if that name is significant, hmm. if that means anything. I think in a lot of the naming conventions that they use, uh, they, they draw from Dracula myth and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever was in the books, maybe. So they kind of make references to that. But I don't know if, I don't know if this specific one means anything. Um, so this mansion is divided into two sections. There's a... At first, it was kind of not clear what I was supposed to do, but there's actually uh, a wall that's an illusion that I can walk through that separates the two halves. And it's at this point that I find a hint book that says, Garlic in the Graveyard Summons a Stranger. So that's... Did you do that already? So that was that was that happened in the graveyard that I had passed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I did see that in, in, the, uh, in the hint guide also. Mm. So... Uh, that confirms how it should be used. And once again, an oak stake is purchased along the way to shatter the crystal ball. And this time I collect Dracula's heart. <laughs> so you didn't, have to, you didn't have to fight any bosses? Not yet. Okay. Uh, nothing that looks like a boss character. It's just, you know, typical monsters. Okay. Uh, so I returned to the town I started in to visit the chapel. And then I moved to the left of that town. So far, the game was moving to the right. So now I had completely backtracked all the way back to the starting point. Uh, And the woods here feature these two-headed lizard men that shoot fireballs. And with the shield from Dracula's rib equipped, uh, I'm able to deflect the shots. As long as I'm facing in that same direction when they're firing at them, at at me. Um, There's also these lunging wolves that come by and mudmen in a marsh that also spew out these fireballs. And one of the townspeople had said, a laurel will protect you from the marsh. So I used that to get across this big swamp area. Because otherwise, when you stand in there, I see my health meter go down continuously. So using the laurel gives me temporary invulnerability to be able to run across. And there's barely enough time to get to the other side before it wears off. On the next screen is an area called the Dead River where a boatman will take me across to the town of Alba. But as the guide suggests, (laughs) talking to him while holding Dracula's heart will instead lead to Brahms Mansion, which is the next mansion. different place. Yeah, so if you get on the boat without anything, it'll just take you to the next town. But if you have that heart equipped, 
It'll then wow, take you to the next mansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before entering the mansion, I explore a little bit to the left of, of you know, the entrance. Uh, I cross a river with um, these blocks that are pretty easy to get across. And here the creatures are a little more aggressive. There's mummies. There's falcons. There's ghosts that look like a floating bust of Beethoven. That's what they reminded me of. <laughs> and there's also Medusa heads, but they're not as annoying as the Medusa heads from the first game. These are just, they just simply are almost like uh, homing missiles. They just fly directly towards me. Uh, I eventually find a man who says, I'll give you a diamond. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> and that actually shows up as a weapon in the game. Uh, it's sort of like a spinning disc and it kind of bounces around the room and can hit multiple enemies at the same time. So I figured maybe I'll run into a situation where I can use that to better effect. So I end up going back to the mansion. There's armored knights and horned demons inside. There's, uh, slimes, which kind of crawl along the floor and then all of a sudden will jump up to the ceiling and then kind of hop around. Uh, sort of quickly. So those are really annoying, <laughs> I found. Um, there's also a couple of hint books here. Uh, but I do find the uh, the guy who sells the oak steak. Apparently this is a feature in all of the mansions. And I figure, um, you know, I, I, I figured just find the crystal ball and I'm done, right? Mm-hmm. But without warning, I walk into, you know, the, the next room and death is there. You know, the Grim Reaper from, uh, you know, a a big boss from the first game. Uh, But I found that he's nowhere nearly as tough as I would have expected him to be. It's a really short fight. And uh, he actually ends up dropping a new knife as a reward called the Golden Knife. And So do you kill Death? uh, Or do you just send him back to... (laughs) You, uh, You defeat him, he disappears, he drops the knife... But once I leave the room and come back, he's there again. Uh-huh. <laughs> Completely respawns. So you just scared him away. Uh-huh. I, I suppose so. So there's a lesson there. Did you have any issues with getting money? Did you ever find that you didn't have enough and you had to, like, just... Uh, I, there were some spots where I noticed, you know, creatures respawn here really quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy for me to just walk back and forth and get a lot of, okay. a lot of currency, you know, in, in a short amount of time. Uh, the other thing that happens is that in the mansions, the the timer is frozen. There's no time passing when you're indoors in the game. So you're free to kind of, you know, especially in the mansions, just go back and forth and collect as many as you need to, and you won't be penalized in terms of time. So you don't have to really worry about it there. So that's good. Uh, so this golden knife, uh, weapon, uh, this one explodes when it hits enemies and and burns for a while. So it does extra damage. It's especially good for any of the bosses that are encountered. Uh, but it does use up two whole hearts from your inventory every time you throw a shot. So in the next room, the orb is there, which I break to possess or process, (laughs) uh, Dracula's eyeball. (laughs) And, um... You know, I, I buy another oak steak on the way out because I did pass the merchant again. I figured, well, I have extra money. Maybe this will save me a, a step mm-hmm. in the next uh, mansion rather than having to find the, the merchant there. Uh, so in the next town called Alba, I find a contact who exchanged the blue crystal for a red one. Somebody offers to do that. And someone will say, get a silk bag from the g- graveyard duck to live longer. 
So I subsequently make my way to another graveyard uh, to meet a contact by dropping the garlic again. But he's not a duck, so I don't know what the guy meant. Maybe this was just a nickname or something. And what the silk bag does is it actually increases my inventory slightly. I'm able to hold more garlic and laurels Mm. if I need to. Um, Also in this area, the outdoor slimes are here. Like the same slime creatures that I encountered in the mansion. But outdoors, they're really horrible because... Like, normally, they'll bounce from floor to ceiling, and I can hit them while they do that. But here, all they do is just hop around from one spot on the ground to another. And sometimes they take a long jump, and sometimes they do short jumps. Uh, so it was very easy to get hit by these things. Uh, so in the next town, called Andal, I'm able to buy an upgraded whip called the Morning Star. Uh, and that costs 200 hearts. <laughs> That's almost everything. Almost all I can carry. Mm-hmm. So I was left with a mere, like, 56 hearts. But it has good range, right? It's a much better whip. Yeah. Much longer. Does more damage. Um, a clue book in uh, Brahms Mansion said, Wait for a soul with a red crystal on Deborah Cliff. Right? But meanwhile, someone in the previous town had said, Hit Deborah Cliff with your head to make a hole. <laughs> so which do you think sounds more reasonable? <laughs> I think the crystal ball. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think the red crystal hint was probably the one to go with. Mm-hmm. So uh, I make I, I eventually get to this cliff face and I equip the red crystal at the base of the cliff, and a tornado appears to take me away to uh, the entrance to uh, Bodley Mansion, which is the next one. And this mansion is pretty quick, since I had the extra oak stake from the previous one. I didn't take the time to really have to look around to find the merchant. Um, Because you see him on the way in, but you're not sure how to get to him. He's, like, kind of out of the way. Um, But I'm I'm able to, like, kind of go straight ahead and get to the end. Uh, And this time I get Dracula's nail. And the nail... It's a fingernail? I I guess it's a fingernail. Okay. I hope it's not a toenail. (laughs) This nail allows uh, blocks that would normally be have to be broken by the holy water to be broken by the whip instead. So rather than dropping holy water everywhere, sometimes you can break blocks to be able to get up to certain areas just by using the whip. Kind of handy, kind of a little easier to deal with. Um, after exiting uh, this mansion, I move to the left, which appears to be a dead end at the edge of a lake. But... Since this worked at the previous lake, I I knelt at the edge of the lake with the crystal that I had at the time, which is still the red crystal. And this one reveals a path as well, which leads to a contact that upgrades the Morning Star to the Flame Whip, finally. And, uh, you know, uh, there was a hint there that said, uh, uh, in the previous town, a man living in darkness can give you your whip power. All right, that sounds reasonable. (laughs) Um, so continuing on to, uh, a wooded area that has these floating skulls in it, as well as these flaming skeletons, the enemies are getting progressively more dangerous <laughs> as a, as you proceed. Um, they, th- these guys, they throw these fireballs along the ground and they kind of glide along the ground and they're a little harder to avoid, I found, than, than some of the other enemies. You can't hit them with the whip? Um, that didn't seem to work. Mm. Okay. 
Now, a hint book here suggests Dracula's evil knife blurs Camilla's vision. It's pretty vague, but I'll keep it in mind. <laughs> I then cross this large poisonous marsh that I had to use three laurels in a row to get across. And I arrive at the, at the entrance to La Ruba Mansion. This is the final mansion in the game. This is the fifth mansion. Uh, the interior is pretty straightforward here, but, and I, I do have to find the oak stake. Um, I find that another contact gives me a refill of, of laurels, like for free, no cost. Okay. Uh, brings it up to a maximum of eight. So that's the max capacity of the, uh, the, uh, silk bag that I had gotten, I guess. Hmm. Uh, so I figured, well, it sounds like I'm going to need a lot of extra laurels. Maybe this is in preparation for the next fight. Uh, but, and sure enough, in the next chamber is this big floating mask, who I believe is Camilla or Carmilla in some of the material. Um, although actually in, in the manual, there's a list of all the monsters that you fight in the game and she's identified there as Vampira. Hmm. So I don't know which one's right. But basically, she moves in a circular pattern. It's this big, large, floating mask. Looks kind of like a Harlequin mask, maybe. Yeah. Um, so what she does is she flies around in a circle, and tears drip out of her eyes. And when the tears hit the floor, they explode in like a, a you know pattern of fireballs and stuff. But uh, you know I can block those with the shield. I use the gold knife here to finish her off when she's like moving around which is uh, pretty easy to do. Uh, the prize for doing this is a magic cross. And that sounds like it's going to be important, too. Figured crosses are good to have against vampires, so that seems like a good thing. Uh, but I still have to go on into the next room and, and shatter the crystal ball, and this time I get Dracula's ring as a result. So <laughs> now it's time to proceed to Dracula's castle or what's left of it. Uh, I backtrack for a bit. It takes a long while to get to the point where I'm supposed to be able to cross into the castle. Um, I do heal up at some point and there's another bridge with these mermen again. Uh, there's a branching pathway. There's a couple of branching pathways in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of them leads to a town, but the other one, if you go above... Um, leads to this dangerous sort of dead end in a poisonous swamp. I mean, you just burn resources getting through this thing, and then there's just nothing there. It's just a dead end. Uh, so I had to go back and take the other path instead. Um, now, <laughs> there's another town that I passed through where a crazy person says, let's live here together. <laughs> Meanwhile, the town is completely deserted. There's yeah. nothing there. <laughs> so let's not. <laughs> um and after that is the Vlad graveyard, so I figure I must be getting close. Uh, this area is inhabited by mummies, these annoying hawk-like birds that just kind of hover and then attack really quickly. And uh, those same, like, ghostly-looking busts, which I think are called pirate skeletons in the manual. Uh, now, eventually I get to the West Bridge, which leads to the castle, and uh, this is the ruined courtyard of, of you know, Dracula's castle. Um, there's new music that starts up here. And uh, it's a pretty, you know, cool, like, slow melody. It, like, really starts to build the tension. There's no enemies at all. 
you know? So as Simon descends into the depths of the castle, um, you know, eventually I reach an altar, uh, where all the collected parts automatically are gathered onto this altar and Dracula appears. There's a new theme for that fight as well. Um, although even though they're collected and put there, I'm still, they're still in my inventory and I can still use those items. Hmm. So I don't know what that means, but the final battle begins and relative to other, you know, Castlevania games where I've fought Dracula before this fight is super easy. Um, all I have to do is hit him repeatedly with a sacred flame, which is that like burning version of the holy water that lasts a little longer. And what happens is it immobilizes him in place and he continues to just take damage from it. So all I have to do is just keep throwing that out and it pretty much just freezes him in place. And, um, even if he starts to move, you can use the, the golden knife against him as well. That's also effective. Uh, if he does start to move around, <laughs> he starts throwing out these, these blades all around the room and it, I get hit pretty easily. So it's either hit him first or have to start over pretty quickly because he, he does damage fast. Um, so after defeating him, that's pretty much the ending. He doesn't have the second form? Like the first um, game. no. It's just a big towering version of Dracula. Um, I get the normal ending for the game, apparently, which uh, there's like a little scene where Simon kneels at Dracula's grave and there's some text that appears. And apparently this is different depending on how long it took for you to finish the game. So because I've completed the game in eight to 14 days of game time, Uh Uh, actually it was really close. My timer said 13, 22. So I was really close to 14 days, but mm-hmm. I still made it in time for what's considered the normal ending. Uh, so the, the text says, although the confrontation between Simon and Dracula has concluded, Simon couldn't survive his fatal wounds. So Transylvania's only hope is a young man who will triumph over evil and rid the city of Dracula's deadly curse. Uh, in other words, I guess, you know, I, I won, I defeated Dracula, but I was too beat up from the fight. I didn't, I didn't survive anyway. (laughs) Sad ending. Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. So the bad ending in the game, if you take more than... That's not the bad ending? That's not the bad ending. That's the normal ending. (laughs) (laughs) This is the middle ending. Okay. The bad ending is if you take 15 days or more and that's, and basically you get some text that says that neither Simon nor Dracula survived their last battle. Um, and the good ending is if you do it in seven days or less. Oh, so there's three endings. There's actually three endings. Okay. Uh, so it says Dracula has been defeated and Simon is free of the curse. So that's Mm. basically, you know, if you do it quickly enough, you get rid of the curse and you're able to survive. Um, so overall, uh, you know, graphically, I don't think this game was quite as good as the first one. I think um, I don't think it really hurts the game though. I think it looks adequate for what it's supposed to be. Uh, I also feel like the platforming and the combat in the game was way simpler than than the first one. I think they I guess they they took away those some of those challenging like twitch reflex type of actions and they replaced it with the RPG and story elements yeah. in the game. No, no like tricky clock tower level or anything. No, nothing even close to that. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, do you have any <laughs> memories of 
playing through this or thinking my that was... memory is the music is just phenomenal in mm-hmm. that game yeah from the moment the game starts that's like the, the one thing i was remembering. very catchy tunes mm-hmm. i thought it was pretty well done uh interestingly because it was a famicom disc system game originally uh the tunes were done i mean that 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 hardware has an additional sound chip so the original music sounds a little different and they had to rework it to be able to work on the cartridge uh so i've compared the two and while the instrument quality is a little better on the disc system version i think the nes version still sounds pretty good Hmm. it still sounds like like right for the style of the game nice so um i don't think that's really a drawback it's not as big of a difference let's say as as it is with castlevania 3 oh okay you know it's not quite as much because that one even had an even better sound chip yeah i think yeah what did you think about the password system uh, well, I didn't have to deal with it because I didn't die. Okay. I didn't die completely to the point where I had to use a password to continue. But, um, yeah. So like I, with the, the disc system, the advantage of that was, it, of course, it had save onto the disc. Right. But every time you moved the screen, you had to wait for the screen to load. I, uh, I saw a video of that. Yeah. And it's a really long wait time. Yeah. <laughs> really long, long load time just moving from one section to the the next like if you went from the, to the woods to the town or the town to the next part of you know the wilderness or whatever it was loading in between each time and that was kind of rough and what if you had a disc error then oh i would i would then you sm- get nothing i would uh, be very disappointed <laughs> if that happened um i checked on ebay for loose copies of this game uh it looks like it's pretty common you can get one for like five bucks or less hmm. So no real trouble, you know, if, if somebody wanted to get an original cart, it's pretty attainable. I think even for a complete copy, it's about 25 to $30 for a complete set. So if yeah, you, is, uh, yeah, well, I was going to say, if you have, if you actually have a Famicom disc system and you wanted to play the original version, mm. those are also under $25. Okay. Not too complicated. Um, there are other versions of the game available on Virtual Console for the Wii that was released in 2007, and there's also it's also on the 3DS and on the Wii U. Hmm. So those are other options as well. Um, as far as creative team goes, this is again that that era where real names weren't really used. And nobody really knew who worked on these games. Christopher B. in the credits this time? (laughs) No, they didn't make those crazy... No, they didn't. Those crazy references. It it was less of a movie kind of spinoff. Like, the first game felt like they were going after, like, the movie monster kind of thing. And and this feels more like we're creating a a foundation for future games. Yeah. An original character and storyline. Right. Well, you know, actually, in the U.S. version, there were no credits at all. Okay. In the Famicom Disk System version, there were credits, and they were in English, but, again, they were all made-up names or mm, pseudonyms. Interesting, they took the credits out. Yeah. I don't know if they did that for space reasons, but... Mm, yeah, it could be. Maybe. I'm not really sure. Um, so, yeah, but it is confirmed, though, that the director and designer of the, of the same, you know, is the same between all three of the Famicom or NES versions of the game. Okay. You know, it's a guy by the name of Hitoshi Akamatsu. <laughs> Don't really know what else he worked on because, again... <laughs> it's hard finding info. It's out. hard to tell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, this is, you know, an interesting experience. I thought it was kind of a rough cut version of, you know, what would become the, the Metroidvania genre, kind of a sort of an early taste of, of what that would be like. But, um, I think definitely, you know, I, at this, at this stage, if I had a choice between the two, I would probably still prefer the sort of the, the pure platforming version of the first game. You know. Yeah, I think most, well, not most, but I think a lot of people would say like this is probably their least favorite mm-hmm. of the Castlevania games because right. it is less of an like kind of arcade action mm-hmm. and not as great as like Symphony of the Night was and games that followed that. Right. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've only ever played the GBA games in terms of uh, the later style. They're good. Yeah, those are excellent games. <laughs> So I'm I'm still working towards Dracula X and Symphony of the Night. I'll get to those at some point. Mm. Going in chronological order? <laughs> I might as well. Yeah. Part three is pretty hard, I've heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Remains to be seen. Cool. All right. Did you play anything else or is that your game? That was most of my time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. So well, I had some time. Uh, mostly was mobile. So I'm going to be talking about some mobile games and uh, probably next week too because I have quite a bit. Uh-huh. I won't talk all about them today. But this one's a, a quick, simple one. And I picked this one up because I talked about it during our pa- PAX talk. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, it was one of the games I played there. It was a free game. So I gave it a try. It's called Pop the Lock. Mm-hmm. And this one is from Simple Machine. It came out last year. And it is a freebie. It's got in-ads in the game. Uh, but it is a simple tap game. It's a one simple, like, tap on the screen. Mm-hmm. And you have a... Because it's called Pop the Lock, you have a sort of like the traditional turn turn lock style. The combination lock Combination style. lock, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very simple, flat graphic representation of it. Nothing fancy. And... When you start it, you're going to see, like, a dial, a line representing the dial. And when you tap it once, the dial will turn to the right. And you're going to see, like, dots appear on, like, the ring of the dial. Mm -hmm. And when the line is over the dot, that's when you tap it again. And the line reverses direction and it moves the other way. Hmm. And when you tap... And then you'll see another dot appear. Then these dots appear at random. There's no... uh, There's no, like, preset determination of like where these dots are going to show up so mm-hmm. sometimes they're really close to each other so when you tap the line on the dot that the line's going to reverse quickly and you may not have enough time like to tap again so you're always sort of um you have to think you know it's like a reflex game you gotta think really fast mm-hmm. so it starts off on level one and uh the number of the level you're on is how many taps you have to play through for the lock to unlock so it starts off easy obviously uh you know level one through five you know it's Five, you know, by the time you get to level five, then you just have to tap it on the fifth tap, then the lock will open up. Um, so I played through quite a bit, you know, because I had a lot of time, like, waiting in the airport and stuff. <laughs> I got up to level 50. Mm-hmm. And by level 50, it's kind of like... That line goes back and forth 50 times, and especially when you get to, like, tap 40, and then you miss, and you have to start over again. It's sort of annoying. Uh, you know, it's so much repetition. Mm-hmm. They do add in a feature that if you're within... I forget if it's, like, within the last five or ten taps to complete the level. 
if you miss, they'll give you a second chance by watching an ad. Mm-hmm. And then they'll start you over at that point, so you don't have to start from the beginning. Hmm. Which is pretty handy. That's how I got past some of those later levels. So is there um like is there a setup for why you're <laughs> breaking these no, locks? No, it's just like a not really. No. Uh-huh. There's nothing. <laughs> no <laughs> no uh, you know like a, just, a burglar or a you know It's like, hey, this is something to pass time. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so is there a, is there a reward for doing that? There is a reward. You can earn hats in the game. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so you can decorate your lock. Is that inside the safe or whatever you're opening? It's not even a safe. It's just a picture of a lock. Okay. But it, but it's not like um, a skeuomorphic picture of a lock. It's, uh-huh. it's like a like flat vector outline of okay. a lock. And the lock part would be rep- replaced with a hat. So, but the hats are weird. They're like um, a cat head was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a pirate hat, and I think it's like a top hat. And there's like some weird stuff like that. I didn't bother on unlocking. They were kind of goofy, but I guess if you did want to keep as an incentive to keep playing this game, I, that would be it to earn. Mm-hmm. So to earn the hats, in addition to you get you earn stars in the game. And you can trade those stars in for hats. Mm-hmm. So, uh, beating each level gives you stars, but on those dots that you have to tap on when the line is over the dot, some of them will have stars on it. And if you land the li- the line on that dot with the star, you'll earn that star too. And that's kind of how you earn more of them. Hmm. So that's sort of like the in-game currency, I guess. Okay. And uh, that's kind of it. It's like a it's super simple. I guess that's why it's free. Um, like a real, you know what a time waster is sort mm-hmm. of you know um i think at this point I, i'm done with that game like after i got to level 50 i'm like man i think that's <laughs> it's sort of played out you it's know i mean it only took me i probably didn't play more than if, if it was an hour that was probably a lot in this you know over the, the time of i played all of it mm-hmm. it wasn't all in one sitting but um yeah i don't know the graphics are a little like no frills. It's very basic, as basic as you can get, pretty much. And uh, with the repetition and stuff, I can't imagine. There's some people who've played, I think there's 300 levels. 300? So there's an achievement in Game Center. If you get, like, 25 levels, you get, you know, an achievement. If you get 100 levels, you get an achievement. And that's where it stops. But I believe, if I read somewhere, that it goes up to level 300, I believe could be wrong but hmm. so i can't imagine tapping 300 times on that lock <laughs> and not it, making a mistake does anything change as you progress no oh, <laughs> colors don't know nothing changes huh. <laughs> just the hats you can get That's okay it. all right so yeah uh, nothing great but mm-hmm. um just something to waste time mm-hmm. you know and uh the real game I played, this is like the meat of my week of what I played, uh-huh. was The Room 3. Oh, The Room. Yeah. Okay. So I've talked about, I think, the prior two games, the previous two, uh, on older episodes. And I'm a huge fan of the series. Mm. This is the third game. Mm-hmm. And, and this has nothing uh, to do with the cult movie, The Room. Uh, no. Is that a movie? That does sound like a movie, it's right? A, it's a weird movie that has Is it a, like a horror, drama, suspense um, kind of thing? I think it's just a bad movie. Okay. <laughs> like, I think I, maybe I did see that. Is that where they have like a vault in the house? A vault? 
And if there was like danger, you would go into the room and lock it, and then I don't know anything about it. Okay, I, don't I know. never subjected myself I'm... to it. It just has this reputation of just being a horrible movie. Yeah, well, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this has nothing to do with that. Okay, it's uh, from Fireproof Games, the same guys who made the other ones. Mm-hmm. A small team. It was, this one was released last year. Uh, I think it's five dollars. I might have bought it on a sale for like a dollar or two. So. Uh, again, this is award-winning um, on iOS and I think Android, but I think there's issues on the Android version. Mm-hmm. So before you buy that one, I would probably read up on the reviews and see if there's a fix coming. I think there's something weird about that version, but the iOS version's flawless. Um, for anyone who has not played this before, it is a physical puzzle game. And uh, physical meaning that you interact with the uh, screen on the puzzles. You're twisting and turning things. Mm-hmm. So the game starts off on, on a train, like old style. Um, I, I'm not sure what year it is, but it seems sort of like maybe the 40s or something. And uh, this train is going somewhere. They don't really clue you in on much storyline, but a mysterious figure appears in the distance, like on the seat opposite from you. Mm-hmm. And he comes over and he leaves a puzzle box on the table. And and then he disappears, like with a flash of light, he's gone. So now you have, if you've ever seen like Hellraiser, mm-hmm. like that kind of puzzle box. Right. That's what you have. And you zoom in on it and then you can start kind of turning the box, which, you know, you think watching Hellraiser, that's a bad thing to do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's pretty much what you have to do to advance the game. Mm-hmm. So um, you start playing with it, and of course the box transforms. You know, it starts spinning and rotating. And the next thing you know, you're warped to this remote island somewhere. Oh. Uh, yeah, you're so, off the train in, in this weird hmm. land. And uh, it looks like Earth, but who knows where. It doesn't say, and you don't know where you are. Well, hopefully you didn't have somewhere important to go. Uh, that's very true. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll get to that at the end. Okay. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Setting up some mystery. Perhaps. Uh, not everything's answered, but uh, I'll, 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 at the end, I'll go over it. Um, so at this point now, you have the m- mysterious figure, and he's known as the craftsman, and he leaves these notes scattered around the, g- the game, mm-hmm. and these notes are sealed with wax. So when you read them, you can tell you read them because the wax is now removed. You can't store them in your inventory, but so they'll always stay like on the screen. But um, he always signs it with like a, with a thumbprint, mm-hmm. and it's usually like it looks like a th- a blood thumbprint, mm. but there's really no like gore or violence in this game. I'm not sure why that's it's done like that. But um he always signs it as the craftsman. And it's always some sort of like not always, but a lot of it will be kind of like a riddle or some kind of questions about the island and why you're there. And so he sort of leaves it up to like wants you to ask questions of where you are, but he doesn't really answer them. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of weird the how the the letters are. So the camera angles are very deliberate and how on and how the puzzles are solved so you don't have like you're not free roaming in these rooms so if you played like mist or something like that you sort of tap on where you want to move in the screen mm-hmm. and if you can move in that direction and you will if not it just won't do anything mm-hmm. and the camera angles will change depending on the focus of where you are so if you walk over to a wall and there's a puzzle there that needs to be solved, the camera will, like, kind of shift and zoom in on that area. And that's how you know, well, all right, this is something that I can probably mess with or fool around with. 
and uh, you can pick up some objects depending on the room and you know your environments. There's a lot of objects you pick up, and you can go into your inventory screen, and those will be puzzles again, where you can like. It, it might look like a steel rod, but if you start examining it and, and kind of twisting it, the rod will like open up into a weird key. You'll start like flipping out little edges and pieces, so you'll see a lot of things like that. Hmm. So it's almost like a puzzle within a puzzle. This sounds a bit more elaborate than the previous. It's a games. much larger game, mm-hmm. and even though it's called the room. Like, the previous games were just in a room. This one is now spanning multiple rooms. Mm-hmm. So you'll travel not only multiple rooms, but multiple, like, lands in this world. Right. Also, in in this game, you'll get the monocle, which you've had in the pre- previous games. And uh, whenever you switch this on, you kind of see, like, a different dimension, sort of. Like, an overlay of, like... You can sort of see things that aren't visible to the naked eye. Mm-hmm. So, sort of, if you think like an infrared kind of thing. Nice. So, that, that comes in handy, especially in areas where you're just like totally lost and you don't know what, what's going on. You put that on and it makes more sense. If you're a fan of like the Rude Goldberg style of contraptions, mm. then this is like the best way I would describe like a lot of these puzzles. Like, you twist one thing and the next thing you know, like stuff is transforming and things are moving in the background and you just like, all these gears are spinning. Uh-huh. It's kind of cool. Um, I'm a big fan of, you've seen the Transformers movie. Sure. Uh, I'm sure more other people have seen that. There's a scene where they transform Autobot City mm-hmm. and like, I think it's, um, not Cup, but, um, Springer. I think he pulls that a crank and the next thing you know, like the gears are turning and the city's like moving <laughs> up and things are opening. Uh-huh. That's what this game is like. I if see. you like that scene, then you're going to love the graphics in Just this lo- game. Just lots of gears. And... Lots of gears and like, things twisting and transforming and opening. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome. I love that stuff. Mm. So they added... In the prior games, they had these weird light, light puzzles where you would see like scattered lines and if you change the orientation of these lines, you can sort of line you can these lines will like sort of rotate in a way where they create a shape they didn't really put those puzzles in this game as much so i don't know maybe people didn't like them in the prior games but there's maybe one or two where you had to do that but they added something else in this one now like origami animals Mm -hmm. you'll go into some rooms where you'll see like um a fish or something an origami fish and you go up to it and you can start open like sort of playing with the origami and changing it and opening up things that and sliding buttons and that'll give you like a special object that you need for your next puzzle Hmm. so that's cool yeah every world has usually like one of those it might be a fish or a tiger or something like that that you have to play with so like i was saying like the prior games where you were stuck in one room now you have all these rooms to deal with so the way what some of my complaint about this game is a lot of the tools you need are not always condensed in the same room Sometimes it is, but not all the time. So you're going to be doing a lot of backtracking back and forth. And, you know, it might be like five screens away. It's not like a huge world, but it's big enough where, you know, it takes some time to load. And every time you tap into a direction, you have to wait for that little animation to kick in of of your character, like walking forward, you know? Mm. So it does take some time. But you also um, maybe need a paper and pen to keep track of where things are and where things you found are. Um, I didn't find I needed that, but there was a point where I did need a calculator. <laughs> I'll, really? I'll say that. Because there's some math in, in one of the puzzles. 
And uh, there was another part too where I had to use my iPhone camera. I'll just say that. Hmm. That came in very handy. So I don't want to spoil anything. But um, the puzzles are good. But I never felt frustrated by them too much. Um, I could see maybe you might get uh, some, maybe maybe you get a little frustrated and some, but I don't know, it depends on how good you are in these type of puzzle games. But if you've never played the prior t- set two games, maybe you might have some difficulty because it is, there could be some tough puzzles. But there are six stages in the game. There are also five, I think, no, there's four endings in the game, mm. depending on, and you can't, it, the endings are based on how there's like an overall puzzle of the game, and then there's like these sub puzzles of how you escape the island. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't want to give away too much, but there's a fortune teller in the game, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like a mechanical fortune teller, <laughs> and she kind of clues you in on what the if you can find out how to operate her. Mm-hmm. I won't tell you how, but she'll kind of. She's the clue on how to get the different endings, or most of the different endings. Um, if you can, if you do beat the game, like I beat the game, and I, I didn't know there were multiple endings when I beat it, so I got the like the very least ending. And once you do that, you can go back in the game and try to do the other endings. Mm-hmm. The thing is, you can't do all the endings at once. It's either you beat one and get an ending and then you can go back in and try to get the second ending and then you can go back in for the third and you mm-hmm. know, again for the fourth. So no matter what, you have to do them over and over again. But you don't have to play over the game from scratch. You just continue where you left off. But now you can go back and say, oh, you know what? I had this like stupid gold orb. Like, why did I have this for? And let me figure out, like, I thought I needed it for somewhere and I ended up being the game and not knowing what it was for. But now let me see if I can figure it out. Mm-hmm. So you can go back in and experiment. So I did that. And the first ending is the basic one. And that's, I guess, the bad ending. And that goes back to why you're on the train. And uh, if you beat that, it'll reveal why you're on that train. And let's just say it's not a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So although you, I kind of wonder, like... Is he on the train? Was he forced to be on that train or finding that puzzle box screwed up his route or something? I don't want to give away the ending, but mm. let's just say it's not a good ending. So, um, yeah. And then the second ending's hard to get that. That's a little tricky. That's, you have to, I think I reverted to, I had a look at the hints on how to do that one. Cause that was a little tricky. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one thing that I just could not figure out. And then when I did it, I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, one of those things where you look at a puzzle, like, like for an hour and you can't figure it out and then you find out what it is. You're like, oh, I was looking at it the whole time, you know? I see. Yeah. So I figured that out, but, um, that one's tough. And then once you do that, the third and fourth endings are pretty easy. It's just, it's like one minor tweak that you have to make mm. to the puzzle. And then it's a different way of solving the, the last puzzle. So, um, it has some value to it. I think it took me... I think it took me about six to eight hours to do all the puzzles. Mm. So I thought it was a pretty good value for the money. That sounds um, like a good good game length. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, I think I think if this game was on... I think this game should be on Steam. This is a great game. Like, people might not look at iOS as like a, you know, a gaming... Like, for like a serious type of game like this, but... This game is is fantastic. I think, like, 
on Steam for $10, like, you wouldn't even blink an eye. This is a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, is, I, I don't know what the game looks like, but are you dealing with puzzle boxes the whole time, or are you... Um, not... Well, not literally. They're, they're puzzle boxes, but they can be in different shapes. Like, sometimes they're a huge, like, box. They could be um, a table. Mm. Like, there's one level where it's a table with a house... It's sort of like a representation of like um, a village. Yeah. And then you'll find these like, like these houses will be like the puzzle boxes where you have to like twist and turn. And you can rotate it and rotate it, turn it in different ways to mm-hmm. see different. There's things. like latches and stuff. And then there'll be sometimes you can you'll find boxes that will fit on top of mm. houses to make the house taller. And that'll be sort of another box. Okay. But yeah, it's like variations of the box like that. But it's not always literally puzzle boxes like i said it's the origami stuff yeah and there's also like contraptions like there'll be um uh let's i don't want to give away too much there's a wood wood shop area Mm. and there's like a machine that creates things out of wood so you have to figure out how to operate the machine there's a part there's a lot of gears there's a lot of stuff with gears yeah your favorite (laughs) yeah there there's one part where you're making uh stuff out of iron raw iron okay and you have to learn how to use that machine by solving the puzzle mm, well, so i mean the reason i ask is because it just sounds to me i get the imp- i mean again i don't know exactly how the game uh-huh. looks but it just sounds like this would be great for vr like this sounds like a yes, decent yes a decent uh-huh. application for that uh i would say yes the, if in fact this would probably be awesome now that i think about it i'm, I'm wondering like how would you would the would the puzzles be hands on enough in VR to mm. do? But no, that would work. You would need some kind of controls, work. but uh-huh. but in terms of presentation and being able to because the touch screen's good because like instead of rotating, you can just step around stuff. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. You can walk around an object, and you can kind of use your hands in the VR space yeah. to like turn latches and screws and stuff. Mm. That would be pretty cool. Uh huh. Although I don't see, I mean, they could technically do that on the iPad even, where if you hold it up. Almost like an AR kind of a thing. Right. You know, and, yeah. use, and use the iPad as like your portal into that world, sort of. Yeah, I'm a little surprised they haven't tried that, but... Mm. Mm, Maybe yeah. too gimmicky, who knows. Yeah, this does require a fairly new processor. I think it it requires one of the latest OSs, and also, I think maybe the iPad Air are better. I could be wrong. Mm. Maybe iPad 4 works, but it is... Pr- processor heavy i gotta say that it's i I remember getting the first game when it came out yeah and i still had an ipad one back then okay and that game required an ipad two right so i bought it when (laughs) it was on sale because i said i know this is the kind of game i'm gonna want when i upgrade my ipad Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i bought it not being able to play it because it wasn't the ipad never went back to it Uh, i still haven't played it but (laughs) but i do have the first game i know that much um, it is, I mean, the, the difference between an iPad one and two was pretty big. It was actually a pretty big leap. I think it was single core, it was to single, core, single right? versus dual and then double the memory too. Yeah. So that uh, was a, a pretty big difference, but, but yeah, I could see how they might want to, I, I, I see that this is a pattern for them that they, they, they sort of take advantage of the new, the new hardware as it comes out. And then I think that's why they've won awards and stuff like Apple's always featured them and, mm-hmm. um, it's brilliant design definitely the um the first game now that you say that 
is probably more because you're on the first game actually specifically you're on a table and that's all the game is with mm-hmm. the puzzle box that's what i remember it's a more simplified version but at the time that was you mm-hmm. know sort of unique so now if so i would almost say if you're going to start playing them start with just start from one and work your way up mm-hmm. it'll make more sense although the stories aren't continual or and this is the third game this is the third i played yeah mm-hmm. okay Two is good, too. Yeah. <laughs> They're all good. I love these games. I hope these guys keep making them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're actually making money off of these games, but they're fantastic. Well, so and they're, they're, they're rumoring on Twitter, I, I was looking up, and they might be bringing it to Steam. Mm-hmm. They're looking into it. Sure. Well, so, if they're still making them four or five years later. Then. But I think a touchscreen is the way to play this. I don't know. Point mm-hmm. and click is okay. But if you like... I mean, I don't like Myst, but... If you like that side of type of mysterious puzzle type game, then I would give this a try for sure. Nice. Yeah. Solid. Yeah, so that was... Uh, I played some other stuff, but I'll save those for next week. I'm still in the middle of one of them also, so I have to finish that one. But, yeah. Very good. <laughs> That's what I do on my vacation. I play video games. Did you manage to uh, pick up anything while you were on vacation? Uh, I picked up some sand. <laughs> I had some sand in my toes. That sounds like it's a freebie, though. And I had a little sunburn on my shoulders. Mm. That's my only pickup. I see. No thrifting. No, I no. I, I tried that last vacation and hadn't have much luck. Nothing. I never have luck when I thrift. Yeah. I don't know. These people post pictures of finding these unbelievable deals and obscure electronics and stuff. I go in these places and there's nothing. There's like <laughs> some old records that nobody wants, mm. and maybe like. An old, like, broken black and white TV or something. <laughs> it's like, not even anything usable. Like, what is junk? I don't know. So I, I didn't do any of that. That's too bad. How about you? Did you get any? I you've did. Been, I know you've been on a roll. We've been saying it. How you've been? <laughs> you've had like a solid at least five weeks now of well, pickups. These are these are minor things. I mean, this isn't. These aren't awesome finds or anything like that. These are just simply. Um, a couple of deals, maybe a couple of good deals that I saw that I thought I wanted to take advantage of. And one of them was, uh, uh, a different version of a game that I had talked about or that I had picked up previously. Uh, uh, this was a game that was released on Wii U as well as 3DS, uh, called Rodea and the Sky Soldier. And I thought you had that already. I had it for Wii U. But I saw that the 3DS version was on sale at Toys R Us for $9.99. So I thought, why don't I just complete the set? <laughs> so you're such a fan of this game that you said, let me buy it. That I haven't played yet. <laughs> <laughs> why would you buy it? Well, I mean, if you're not, how do you even know you like this game? Why all right, would you buy a so copy? It's a... Well, well, the 3D, well wait, all right, so the 3DS version is the original version. Uh, well, actually, the, right? the Wii version is the original oh, version. The Wii one. All right. Okay. The, the Wii game, which is bundled as a bonus game with the Wii U version of the game, okay. is the original game. And the 3DS version was sort of an, a newer version of the game that the Wii U version was a port from. <laughs> At any rate, the reason I picked it up was yeah. because it's published by NIS America, who imports and translates a lot of these foreign games. And uh, the first version came with a soundtrack CD, so I figured let me just let me just get that and have all three versions of the game. Uh, it's more of a collector thing than an actual practical. But <laughs> reason why the 3DS one? Why that one? Because it was the one I was missing. Uh- <laughs> 
<laughs> I love your reasoning. Okay. Well, ten bucks isn't bad. That's what I figured. I figured yeah. I'm certainly not going to buy it for forty, but for ten, you can I, always resell it if it's uh, if you don't uh, like it. That seems unlikely, but okay, who knows? <laughs> uh, so another game I picked up was a game that I was on the lookout for. Another Wii U title, uh, the Wonderful One Hundred and One, was being blown mm-hmm. out at Walmart. Finally for, got it for yeah for fourteen ninety nine. I've been hunting that one for a while for a good price. A new copy, yeah, because, yeah. I mean, GameStop has them, but I figured, let me just wait and see mm-hmm. if I can possibly get one uh, before it disappears for good. <laughs> so you bought it brand new? Um, bought it brand new. Initially, uh, I saw it at one of our local Walmarts, reserved the copy, and then they got, I got the email the next day saying, you know, the, the email that I would expect to say, your order is not ready for pickup. Yeah. Instead, it said, we are unable to fulfill your <laughs> purchase, and they refunded me the, the money. Great. So I said, all right, let me try again at a different Walmart, uh, which I enlisted your help in retrieving yeah, because it, you... It was like an hour and a half from you, that's why. It was far out, but you had told me you were going to be in that vicinity. Yeah. <laughs> The day before it was ready, or the I day after to be it was ready, in that area, which was quite a far away. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so you did me the the huge favor of picking it up, which was awesome. <laughs> so I see that the game is now sold out of all of these stores, so it's no longer. Yeah, because I think you said they they had two copies, right? Uh, the first store had two copies. Oh, okay. The second store didn't indicate a quantity because okay. I looked in the showcase and they didn't have any more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was. Decent. I think, I think Toys R Us still stocks this game, but it might be a couple of bucks more. But in any case, since the Wii U is starting to wind down, yeah, and this was you know not a game that I expect to get reprinted anytime Ooh. soon. I know Target cleared them out last year, and um, you know regardless of whatever the next Nintendo system ends up being, if they end up being compatible with Wii U titles or not, it is this is a game that does use the gamepad a bit for uh player input so mm. i figured let me at least stick with the original pick up a copy while i still can uh and i have one more to share wow. <laughs> uh an adventure game called life is strange have you heard of this game yeah yeah i uh, watched some uh, tw- uh youtube clips of it mm-hmm. yeah so this was uh an episodic type yeah. of game came out in five parts through all the various digital marketplaces but they did do a physical version for retail, and they also did a limited edition version of the game, which contains all five episodes. Uh, it also contains an art book and, you know, a soundtrack. Uh, so I figured, let me keep an eye out for that, see if it... You like these special editions, I, I, I kind of do. Uh, I'm, I'm a little guilty of that. <laughs> Uh, so I noticed that uh, Best Buy had the special edition on sale for $19.99. Oh, actually, it was, um, I think it was $24.99. And then with my Gamers Club discount, it drops mm. to nineteen ninety nine. dollars actually pretty good. 20% off. Yeah. Uh, so I figured, all right, let me try to get it. I initially wanted the PlayStation 4 version just because, you know... For consistency's sake, I usually just buy my multi-platform stuff on PS4. Mm-hmm. But by the time I got to the deal, all that was left was the Xbox One version. At least for this game, they are the same. There's no difference. This isn't exactly a high-performance type of game. This is just, uh, you know, a fairly low-paced uh, adventure game. Uh, hey, choose-your-own-adventure sort of thing. Yeah, you know, it's it's 
a lot of point and click style gameplay. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, you know, I originally I was going to get the PC version because uh, there was uh, you know physical PC games have gotten a bit scarce lately. And uh, lately, well, for a while now, <laughs> and the PC version specifically was an online exclusive to the Square Enix store. Mm. The publisher of the game only offered it online, so I wasn't going to find that at retail, and I wasn't going to pay twenty dollars more just to get the PC version, uh, even though it's supposed to be slightly better graphically. But for this game, I don't think it really matters. Yeah. Um, so for twenty bucks, I got it for basically half price. That's good enough. Cool. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a good game. I, I do want to play that at some point in history and time. <laughs> right. It's in it's in the stack oh, no, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when I'll ever get time. Those those games. You know what it is? Those those episodic games. Mm-hmm. It's like watching a movie. So you have to sit through and watch. You and have to pay attention. To the story. Yeah. It's not like something you can just blast through in an hour. And yeah, exactly. So it does require. Right. Well, it is on. It's on. You know, it's on all the modern consoles. It's mm-hmm. on last gen also. It's on yeah. PC. So I think you can you can probably look for a sale on Steam for ten bucks if you okay. if all you want to do is play the game. Yeah, it was just on sale again at Best Buy, but not the special edition. I believe it's just the regular. Yeah. One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like a good cool. game. It's gotten good reviews. All right. Well, I guess if that's all for pickups, at least it is for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> we can move on to some feedback to close out. Yeah, things. that sounds good. Yeah, this one goes way back. Um, do you have anything? Well, we had some comments on episode 78. Yeah, I was going to say, right. <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, so, this one was related to the game you played last time, uh, Looty Dungeon. Uh, I believe you called the slimes in the game acting uh. as uh, a bit like lemmings. Okay. Where they were a bit mindless and uh, kind of uh, threw caution to the wind. Right, yeah. Well, I'll read. This is from Greg Paulander. Yeah, sure. And he says, uh, quick comment. This is a quick one. <laughs> lemmings don't actually commit suicide. Mm. Uh, so I referred to those slimes as lemmings. In that's the right. Game. And he said, that's an old myth that's predated Disney making it popular. Mm-hmm. So he provided a link that has a whole story about how lemmings really commit, do lemmings really commit suicide? Right, was, right. Was the story. And, um, I guess, uh, it's sort of one of those things that... They just have that reputation. Reputation, yeah. I mean, I always... I didn't even know about it, the whole Disney thing. I always... From playing Lemmings on the, like, the PC back <laughs> like in... The old Hypnosis game. Yeah, that's, sure. that's how I remember. Other than that, I didn't even know what a Lemmings were before mm-hmm. that. And uh, I just figured... I mean, I, I figured the animals weren't that dumb that they would walk, like, you know, off a cliff. Yeah. But I... I don't know. I never really bothered to look it up, really. <laughs> you, you've, you've played those Lemmings games, huh? Yeah, Lemmings games. That was one of my first PC oh, games that I ever played. Okay. Yeah, that was like 92, 91. Somehow I've never uh, really put a lot of time into them. Really? No, yeah. They're fun. Mm-hmm. They're like shareware, weren't they? <laughs> um, or, did, uh, or did I just get them for free? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I know I didn't buy them. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it's always... I, I put it in that category of games I've always meant to play, but somehow I never... Took the time to really try them out. Like, oh, really? Uh, Lemmings and I think Worms is in the same category. Ah, Worms. I didn't I, like I, Worms as much. I lumped them in together for some reason. Yeah, I think, well, they're very similar, I uh-huh. think. I think, well, I don't know. I, maybe I could be wrong. Yeah, well, they're they're like Point uh, and mouse, click, mouse-based right? or something. Yeah, they're both mouse, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, so Lemmings, uh, I don't know how many they made, but I played one. Two, I don't know if I played through all of the levels. But there's I so many. I feel like there's been a lot of those games. And there was a 3D Lemmings, too, on mm. PlayStation 1, I believe, the original. Mm. That I never... I just played a little bit of it, and it was too crazy for me. <laughs> so I never bothered with it. Mm-hmm. But those were fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my but that, that's how—that's my knowledge of lemming. So that's, when I say that's it's it. acting like a lemming, I'm, I'm thinking of the purple and green-haired characters <laughs> from. <laughs> right, but I'm—I'm I'm sure uh, they appreciate someone sticking up for them. Yes, as Greg says. Yes, someone's <laughs> got to stick up for the lemmings. They're not so, as dumb as you think. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> yes. uh, we also had a comment from Greg Izzy, uh, commenting on my playthrough of Alien Syndrome. He says, great review of Alien Syndrome, uh, a game I never liked and get bored with quickly. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm able to take a game that you were bored with and uh, make it interesting somehow. <laughs> he also goes on to say, I'm amazed Leon was able to make such detailed observations. I just play the game and it's whatever I think of it. Uh, but... Uh, thanks for hanging in, Greg, even for a game you hate. <laughs> uh, and we also had a comment from Raul Angel uh, regarding our discussion of uh, GameStop talking about possibly, potentially selling digital games used somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he goes on to say, uh, regarding the digital reselling, the one thing I can think of that would benefit the publishers in a partnership would be maybe a wider reach of consumers Meaning, why would they go to a store to buy this thing if they could just download it digitally? Uh, People don't always sit at their PCs looking for games on the publisher's sites. Uh, Walking into a mall GameStop might provide that extra layer of customer contact. And that's true. I think they, they do do that now with game cards. Like, they do sell digital games, uh, new copies of digital games, you know, through the redemption cards that you can just kind of, you just go home and you enter the code Mm -hmm. and... Now you've unlocked the game and you can download it. So, yeah, it does give them some retail presence. It gives them some extra layer of exposure. And uh, I guess GameStop gets a cut of that in some way. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how that works. Mm-hmm. Like, what is their cut on that as opposed to just a regular retail game? I guess they think of it as just, you know, I mean, they sell for the, they probably sell it for the same price. They sell it for, for full retail price of whatever the game is. Um, obviously, you don't benefit from the frequent digital sales that occur mm-hmm. buying it that way, but maybe it's an impulse purchase. Maybe it's just a game that you just saw and you said, all right, I'm just going to grab it yeah. before I forget, <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of a thing. Uh, you know, publishers are also a little reluctant to maybe completely cut ties with, with retailers. They still want to keep them in their good graces. They still need them to sell the physical consoles or whatever else they're you know they're they're trying to push onto customers still through through retail channels. Look, there's still a CD section mm-hmm. in all these department stores. Right. If you want a new album, you could still do that. Sure. So yeah. even though it sounds ludicrous. Mhm. But if the people would buy a physical, well look at people buy vinyl now. People, I see people buying vinyl again. So bizarre. <laughs> don't get it I won't go back but I know some people still enjoy yeah, it yeah uh, they do enjoy it uh-huh. yeah so good points yeah thanks for commenting and writing in and as always visit us on Facebook sure leave us a comment on our 
newest episode or even our old episodes. We'll go back and talk about any old topics we've Why not? we've covered before. Let's and rehash some old news. <laughs> I like doing that. I like people's opinions on these things. Uh-huh. So uh, thanks again, and uh, catch us next time. See ya. Thank you.